Good evening to those in social media. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship. This is Minister Eric coming to you outside night message. It's good to be with you again. We want to continue on this journey of last week. We started talking about finishing well, uh, avoiding a life of compromise, finishing well. We want to finish well. And what I said last week was, the question I asked was, are you ready for the return of Jesus? And that may be a message I preached later on as God lead me. But are you ready? Because we, the Bible said we're in a race. And so he is soon to come back. Because the Bible talking about how do we know when Jesus is coming back? It says when we see things happen with more frequency and more intensity. And we see things happen with more intensity and more free from wars to earthquake to tornadoes to we see a lot of killings murders and things of that nature i mean we see things that just constantly increasing and so they said bible said that no that's the beginning know that he's soon to return so my question to you is we want to if you want to finish well as a believer if you're not saying, I often say, if you're not saved, we pray that you accept these Christ your personal Savior tonight. But if you're a believer, we want to finish well. We want to run this race. And so the way we finish well is to avoid a life of compromise. Okay. Avoiding this life of compromise. Last week, we talked about spiritual leakage when it comes to compromise. A slow leak, you know, a slow leak, it can, you, sometimes you may not notice. And we talked about the life of Samson. We, we, this book is, this message is based on the life of Samson, where Samson compromised the things that God told him not to do. And so he began to compromise. We saw last week that his, his mother gave birth to him, and there were some things that God told him he can't, he couldn't do. And so we see Samson uh, avoided doing those things. He did, he did those things. And he ended up in the lap, the lap of Delilah, which caused him to lose his strength, which the enemy was able to take him over. And they ended up capturing him. But he was gifted with all this strength. God gave him strength. And so, but spiritual leakage, what are we saying is that when you begin to um, do a life of compromise, compromise the things of God, then there's a slow leak. You may not even notice that you are going, getting further, further away from the, from God. And so therefore you find yourself wondering, well, how did I get here? Why? Because you, you neglected to do what God told you to do. So tonight, we're going to continue on that. And the subject I want to talk about tonight is the danger of isolation. Okay. The danger of isolation, isolating yourself. This is another where we can come to compromise uh, ourselves is putting ourselves in isolation. So I'm going to read 10 verses in the book of Judges, okay, chapter 14. Chapter 14, we start in verse 1, okay, 
Judges chapter 14, verse 1. We're going to read 10 verses here. And so to get an understanding of what we're talking about tonight. And the reason I'm reading from New Living Translation says, One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistines' women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you can marry? They said, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. His father and his mother didn't, didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at the time. And Samson and his parents were going down to Tibna. This is as as Samson and his parents were going down to Tibna, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timna. At that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaw apart with his bare hands. He did it so easy as if it were a young goat. But he didn't tell his father or mother about it. When Samson arrived at Tidna, he talked with the woman, the woman, and was very pleased with her. Later, he returned to Tidna for the wedding, and he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some of his to his father and his mother and they ate but they did not he did not tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion and his father and mother made final arrangements for the marriage Samson through a party in Tibna as was the custom of the elite men so we see here Okay, Samson, he sees a woman, a Philistine, when he wants to marry, which it was against um, the Israelites. It was against the law for them to marry outside of their nationality. They weren't supposed to marry any other but Israelites. But So we see Samson breaks this law. And then it also said one of the things Samson was supposed to do, he wasn't supposed to eat any clean thing, touch any dead thing. And so we see here in the story, he kills a lion with his bare hands. The Bible said the strength of the Lord came from other words. Samson was gifted. So when we, when, as the body of Christ, we've been gifted. You may not be gifted in the area I am, but we're all gifted in some area. And so Samson was gifted. But we see Samson, he violates, he kills the lion with his bare hands. Said it was like he was killing a goat. He made It was easy for him. See, that's one thing about the thing of God. When you anointed to do something of God, it may look easy to other people because you've been gifted to do that. And so Samson, but it says when Samson was heading to Timnah, he saw that he looked at the dead carcass, and we see here that bees had made some honey in there, and he ate of that. And then he gave it to his parents. And we see even look at Samson's parents. His parents wasn't you know, was kind of wishy-washy. They didn't, you know, stand up for what was right. 
So we see him, Samson here. He is doing things that goes against God's word. And so we talk about tonight the danger of isolation. So Samson, the question is, did he have any friends and people around him to hold him accountable? So it says Samson seemed to have been isolated in his ministry. His relationship with his parents and his in-laws were not good. His main companions seemed to have been fickle lovers like a Philistine bride, which we just talked about, a prostitute, which we laid on in the book of Joy, prostitute, and Delilah. So these were the people that was in his life, and they were fickle, but he didn't have, he isolated himself. He didn't, his parents, he didn't have a good relationship with his parents, he didn't have a relationship with his in-laws, he didn't have anything. So there's no record of others coming alongside Samson in his battles. He led no army like Gideon, but Gideon was in the beginning book, chapter six. And he had no companion like Jonathan's armor bearer who followed him into battle with, with the words, go ahead. I am, I am with you heart and soul. And this, you find that in first uh, Samuel's chapter 14, verse seven. Samson own people wanted to, to turn him over to the Philistine to kill him. He had no one to stand beside him, unlike David, who was fleeing for his life when Jonathan found him and encouraged him to find strength in God. And you'll find that in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 16. No, Samson is an example of the truth that it is not good for man to be alone. And, and two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. So we see here, we name all these people who have people to encourage them to be alongside them, okay? You know, to encourage them when things were going tough and and then and the, um, be to have their back. But we see Samson didn't have that. So he's isolated. You know, he's isolated himself and he didn't he he won't allow anybody to come alongside and he had nobody to hold him accountable. You know, the people in his life did not hold him accountable. So he isolates himself. So my question tonight is here's the danger isolation. You have nobody to encourage you. You have nobody to pull you back when you're doing something wrong. Samson didn't have people to hold him accountable because he was, he isolated himself. He was isolated from people who hold him accountable. So my question is, this is the danger of being isolation. If you are a person who, you know, um, you may love the Lord and you say, but you've gotten away from ministry. You've gotten away from being a part of a body. I, I'm a firm believer in the local body. And so you should be a member of a church. But we live in a time now where people say they don't need the local ministry. Well, you know, all I got is Jesus and I'm good. But here's what's happened. The same thing that happened to Samson here can happen to you. If you isolate yourself from the believers, it is important that we have somebody to hold us accountable, somebody to come alongside of us, to help us, to encourage us, like in David's situation, 
Jonathan, Jonathan had his armor bearer. People, you know, um, even when it's talked about Gideon, Gideon had people with him. But Samson had nobody along with his battles. Nobody to help him. So it says here, this is a proverb. It just, somebody said this. It says, if you want to travel fast, go alone. If you want to travel far, go together. So if you want to you know, do a quick thing, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, and this is what God wants us. God wants to finish well. If you want to go far, you know, you got you need somebody with you. Go got somebody to go along with you. You can accomplish a whole lot more with somebody else versus by yourself. As Ecclesiastes says, two is better than one. Two is always better than one. So we, we are designed, we were designed as social beings, okay? We were social beings, okay? I remember that, um, coming up in school, they told us, I forgot what it said, it says no man is an island. Means that you, you no man can do, accomplish what God wants him to accomplish by him or herself. You need somebody's help. And so in this case, when you want to finish well, Okay, you can't isolate yourself. You need help to get what God wants you to get in life. You need people to hold you accountable. But if you isolate yourself, then the enemy can trick you and cause you to compromise the ministry that God has given you. And so you have to be careful. We don't want to isolate ourselves. It says Jesus and, and Paul normally worked in and with teams. Okay, Paul wanted to surround himself with others when he was facing life and ministry. Paul had had only Luke at his side. So when Paul had only Luke at his side, he, inst he instructed Timothy to come to him quickly and get Mark on his way. And you find that in 2 Timothy 4 and 9 and verse 11. Paul's friends helped him to serve God and ultimately finish well. So we see here, Paul had help completely. Man, we know that all that Paul accomplished, all the things that God assigned Paul to do, but he had help doing it. Even the life of Jesus, Jesus worked with him. He had 12 disciples. And the Bible said one of them was the devil, but he had 12. So he had people to help him in ministry. Right, that's good. It's a good question. Why didn't Jesus do it by himself? Why did he get himself 12 disciples he ain't it's not that he lacked power it's not that he's like us he was you know um subject to sin that we know he was god in the flesh he, so but the thing is what what he was he showing us you need help accomplishing what god called you to do so we don't want to isolate ourselves we want to finish well so paul had jesus had help so you need help, okay? Finishing well, doing what God called you to do, okay? Don't allow the enemy to trick you and think that, you know, I can do this by myself. I don't need anybody. And that's what he wants us to think. Here's one of the scriptures I want to point out tonight. And I always tell people, and I ran across this scripture years and years ago, but Proverbs chapter 
27, verse 6. Here's what it says. And this is from the um, New Living Journal. It says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Let me say it. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. So if somebody is a friend to you, they're going to wound you sometimes, okay? If you in relationships and they love you, sometimes there's going to be situations where a friend's going to come along. If you're going the wrong way, if you're doing the wrong thing, if you're compromising the things of God, a good friend is going to speak truth. And that truth may hurt. It may wound you. But that's how you know they love you. It says here, but it says the wounds of a sincere friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. An enemy will, hey, they don't love you if they just allow you to go the wrong way and don't say anything or don't warn you or don't reprimand you. The Bible said we are to speak the truth in love. Okay. If they don't love you, if they're not going to hold you accountable for the things that God has called us to do, called you to do. They're not a friend. They said they just keep allowing you to do, but it says faithful are the wounds. King David said faithful are the wounds of a friend. They're going to wound you. They're going to hurt you. And a lot of times we don't want to hear the truth. I know there's times where people tell me something and I don't want to hear it at the time. But I thank God that they said it to me because you know what? I knew it was right. It may have took me a while, you know, to embrace it. But that's what a good friend would do. But this is what um, having somebody with you to hold you accountable. This is the danger of isolation. When you by yourself, okay, or you have people who are not going to hold you accountable. And in Samson's case, his parents didn't hold him accountable. The people you know, didn't hold him accountable. And so, therefore, he just did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. Now, I know you can't make people, but you know what? Because at the end of the day, people are going to do what they want to do. And you may be a person, but you know what? If you love that person, you're going to speak the truth and love to them. You're not going to allow them to go into a situation and not, hold on, not say something to them about what they're doing. Because you don't want them to compromise your life. The next scripture I'm going to read, and I think this is the um, last scripture tonight, but I wanted to give a lot of context because this scripture, um, really, these scriptures really bring home what I'm trying to um, speak to you on tonight. And it's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. And we're going to, I'm going to deal with all three of those verses, 23, 24, and 25. But here it's in Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 23 through 25, reading from a new literature. It says here, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near 
Okay, so remember I talked about at the beginning. So the day of his return is coming in. Are, are you ready? The question I ask is, are you ready for the return of Jesus? He's soon to come back because we see things happen with frequency and more intensity. And so here, the writer of Hebrew, he deals with that. I want to deal with this first one where he says, let us hold tightly without waving to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted in his promises. Okay, so it says we... We are, when we are truly born again, we profess Jesus as our Savior. Okay, that means our faith in what Jesus did for us, not in what we do for Jesus. Okay, let me say it again our faith that means our faith is in what Jesus did for us, not in what we do for Jesus. That's what our faith is in, what He did for us, and what we do for Him is a byproduct. Uh, what he did for us so our our faith and when we we're born and we profess him i say because of what he has did for us the writer was saying to keep the same attitude all the time we ought to keep the attitude that you know what praising god for what he has done for us and not get caught up on what we do for him but mostly focus on what he did for us so don't fall back into the thinking that we aren't worthy to approach God. I don't want you to think that tonight. Don't think, don't fall back in that because that's how we fall back into um, thinking that we're not worthy of God when we start focusing on what we do for God instead of what God has did for us. That's how you fall back. And that's that's maybe one way we end up living life of compromise because we focus on what we do for God instead of what God did for us. This is the mindset. This is the thinking that we need to focus on. Don't fall back all the time. What you did for us. Don't fall back into, you know, what you do for God, because then you won't think you're not worthy to approach God. We aren't worthy by ourselves, but we aren't worthy, but we aren't by ourselves. Okay. We aren't worthy by ourselves, but we aren't by ourselves, okay? Why are you not by yourself? Because you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So we aren't worthy by ourselves, but we aren't by ourselves, okay? Because we have Jesus. So understand, we're talking about isolation here, okay? First part, I wonder that you have Jesus. You're never by yourself. You have Jesus, okay? And we have come... We have become new creatures, and we find that in 1 Corinthians 5 and 17, through our faith in Jesus. And we are worthy through Jesus. So being with Jesus makes you worthy, not your um, deeds, not your good works. That doesn't make you worthy. It is what Jesus did. Our faith in him makes us worthy. We have to hold fast to our trust and faith in what Jesus did for us without wavering, okay? Don't waver. Trust and hold on to putting your fast. Says, hold fast to that. You put your faith in what Jesus does. Hold fast. Says, the reason we can't, we can't, the reason we can't be constant in our faith is because our faith is in Jesus and not in ourselves. Your faith needs to be in Jesus and not in your own ability. We trust God to work through us, but 
our faith is in Jesus and not ourselves. Jesus is always the same. The Bible says in the Hebrews 13, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So the first point I want to drive on is that, hey, you're never alone because you have Jesus. And as long as you keep your faith in what Jesus has did for you and not put your emphasis on what you do for Jesus, understand you're not alone. No. So this is what can keep us from becoming isolated. Understand you're not by yourself. You have Jesus. Okay. But let me say this. For those people who who say, well, you know what? So so you, you hear what I said? Well, you have Jesus. But there are some people saying, okay, well, yeah, well, since I got Jesus, I don't need nobody else. I got Jesus. You know, I put my trust in Jesus. Maybe you saved, you accept your credibility. And you're saying, well, you know what? I don't need nobody else. I don't need the local ministry. I don't need the church. I don't need no friends. I don't need nobody. I can do this on my own. Now, this is the danger of isolation we're talking about here. Because now, you know, even though you accept your Christ, and it's good to know that you know what you have Jesus, and as long as you have you, you're not by yourself. But we can't stop there, okay? We cannot stop there because hey, the right doesn't stop there, okay? You have Jesus, but verse twenty four says, but it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds i mean and good works so it says so here we talking about okay somebody else so here's what 24 says we we not only need to have the attitude discussed in the previous verse that we talked about but we also need to help others have the same belief okay we we do this by provoking people because this is what King, it says provoke people. This is what the King James says, provoke people to do good works. All of us have experienced provoking others and being provoked. It is usually in a negative way. However, we can provoke others to, to love and do good works in a positive way. See, we know what it is to be provoked. Okay. We've been provoked by other people and we also have did a provoking. We know how to get on people's nerves. Okay. But it's also, it's talking about provoking people in a positive way, not in a negative way. Notice also we have to consider others to provoke them unto love and good work. So you have to consider this word consider means to study, to ponder, deliberate, examine, or to think upon. Take a look at the word. So in order to provoke somebody, you got to study them, you got to ponder them, you got to be deliberate, you got to examine them, and you got to think upon, think of ways to be a, um, to provoke somebody to love and, and good works. This is what it's saying. Let me read it again here. It says here, um, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's what it's saying. Okay, it's a, it, it takes time and effort on our part to become effective ministers to others. It won't happen automatically. So that means you got to take time. So guess what? You're not, you know, that's, this is what he's commanded us to do so we don't isolate ourselves 
And then we don't also we don't allow other people to isolate themselves. Well, we provoke them to good works. It says this don't happen automatically. So in order for it to be effective in medicine others, you gotta know them, you gotta study them, you gotta upon it, you gotta think upon them, you gotta examine people. Okay, this is not gonna happen automatically. It's here the writer is challenging us to get involved, not become isolated, but to get involved in people's lives and people and let people get involved in your life. Know too that the, the love comes before love comes before good works. Notice that love comes before good works. If we do all the good works in the world but aren't motivated by love, it promises us nothing. And we know 1 Corinthians chapter um, 13, 1 through 3 says that. It says, though, you you know, you can do all these good works. If you don't have love, it don't profit you nothing. So you got to be motivated by love. And so here's the thing about it. If you love people, you're not going to isolate yourself. If you love people, you're not going to isolate yourself. You're not going to, but you're going to be motivated by love to get involved in their life, to provoke them in a positive way to do good works, to be a blessing, you know, to the kingdom of God. So good works are the byproduct of loving and knowing God. So good works is a byproduct. Notice back to the first part of what we talked about. You, What makes you worthy is knowing what Jesus has done for you. For you. But when you understand what Jesus has done for you, then good works will follow. It is a byproduct of loving and knowing God. It says to provoke people in the negative way that most of us are well-versed in, we need to know the, those people. We know what they like and dislike and know exactly which buttons to push to make them angry. But when it comes to provoking people in a positive way towards love and good work, most of us don't know how to do that. So we know how to get on people's nerves and provoke them, you know, when it comes to the negative thing. You know, we know what buttons to push. We know exactly what to do to make them angry. But we're not good at provoking people. We don't know how to do that, provoking them in a positive way. Okay. But this verse says that we have to consider one another in order to do that. So in order to, to provoke somebody in a good way, you it goes back to the definition of consider. We need to study them. We need to ponder them. We need to be deliberate and, and understand who they are. We need to examine their life, examine what their likes, what their dislikes are, the thing that's going motivate them because guess what everybody is motivated a different way everybody's not motivated the same way so you have to study that person examine that person to find out what's the best way to motivate them so that they don't isolate themselves and just so that you don't isolate yourself maybe you that person who have isolated yourself from the things of god okay and i'm i'm encouraging you tonight to get back into a local ministry or find you a study group you can get into a word to a Bible believing people of like mind believers and study where don't isolate yourself because that's what the enemy want to do. And you end up like Samson 
compromising your life. And that's not what God wants. And you won't finish well. Okay. So this is what God wants from us. And so, so we know what they like, what they dislikes, and know exactly how to push their buttons to make them angry. But when it comes to provoking people in a positive way towards love and good works, most of us don't know how to do that. Okay, this verse said that we had to consider one another in order to do that. We need to study people just as hard to provoke them in, in a good direction as we have studied them to know what will provoke them in a negative direction. So the same energy you put into getting on somebody's nerves is the same energy you got to put in to know that and then provoke them in a positive way. We do better at the negative provoking test than we do at the positive provoking test because we've studied harder for the first test. And so I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you tonight, um, work hard at finding ways to show love to people and do good works for people so that they don't isolate themselves because people don't want uh, to be a part of a ministry or a group where they don't feel comfortable, where they don't feel safe. Okay. I thank God for grace. We, we do our best to make people feel safe. And when they come into the environment to make sure that, Hey, you know what? Uh, we got you and anything you need. And this is, this is what we, do our best to do we may not be perfect at it but i think we do a really really good job and letting people know hey whatever you need whatever questions whatever your problems in we're going to pray for you we're going to encourage you and so we're provoking you not to be by yourself because this is the that's what you want to do the energy wants you to isolate yourself and guess what you cannot be effective when you're by yourself you can do more together than you can by yourself and so that's the second part so you need people but the last one verse 25 and i want to read that it says here let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near it says don't neglect meeting together okay don't neglect meeting together so Hebrews 24 instruct us to consider one another so we can provoke each other unto love and good works. But this verse, verse 25, shows us that a major way of doing this is through assembling ourselves together with other believers. This is the way we do this. How do we... Um, provoke each other unto love and good works by meeting together not isolating yourself but meeting with believers like-minded believers okay it says the word forsake does not mean now we have to be at church every time the doors are open it means we need to assemble with other believers regularly some churches have misused this verse to manipulate and control people through condemnation so that people become so active at church that it ruins their family lives. Okay, so it said when it says forget not to assemble yourself. Okay, we're not talking about being in the church every time doors open. 
That's not what we're talking about. And maybe you, that person, you grew up that way when you was in church every day of the week, seven days, seven days a week, 20, almost like 24 hours a day. You was in church all the time. I know my kids talk about that, how when we grew up, you was in church all the time. And I was too. Okay. Because that's what we grew up on. But it's not saying that you got to be in church all the time. But it's just simply saying, because like he said, some people, some ministry has misused that, manipulate people and condemn them. Like if they're not there, then they get reprimanded because they're not there and they need to be there and they need to show up. And like he says, what's happened is it has ruined people's family lives. Maybe you're a person, you know, you're married. Well, maybe your, your spouse is not saved. Well, you got to spend some time with them if you want to win them to Christ. But if you're you know, in ministry all the time, they never see you. You never go on vacation. You always hanging out with other people and don't hang out with them. You don't spend no time with your kids because you you just feel like you need to be in church 24-7. And some people, I've heard one pastor say he teach that because he afraid people are going to backslide. Well, that means they don't have a strong foundation. They don't have what we talked about the first part. They don't have a strong foundation knowing that, hey, it is it is the finished works of Jesus that makes them worthy, not their deeds. Okay, not their deeds. But this is not used to manipulate and con manipulate you and condemn you and say, well, you know what? If you're not churching every Sunday, then you know what? God don't love you. No, it's just simply saying here that you know what? But some of yourselves, you know. I believe it does need to be in your weekly routine. Now, you know, you may miss a week where you take a break or you spend some time or a family event. It's nothing wrong with that, but we need to do that. Because so it doesn't mean that you got to be in church every time the doors open, but it, sh but it should encourage all of, of us that we need the fellowship of like-minded believers. Do you need that fellowship to encourage one another? to be build each other up, okay? This is what we need each other. So this is when it says, so this is what, what I'm talking about tonight of not isolating yourself. This is the danger because the enemy wants you actually to be by yourself and feel like, you know, you don't need anybody. And this is gonna cause you to compromise the thing that God called you to do. And before you know it, you're not gonna wanna do anything. Well, maybe you out there on your own and this uh, maybe you mess things up because you out there on your own and didn't allow anybody to mentor you and encourage you and instruct you and get advice from people. You're just doing things on your own. So no Christian is just supposed to make it on his or on own. As we get closer to the end times, we need the need for fellowship with other believers increases. The worse the time, the more we need each other. And seeing this is this is and this is so timely because it's saying here, as we get closer to the end time, as we get closer to the return of Jesus, okay, it's saying here that our media, our fellowship should increase. Once again, we're not talking about every Sunday, but it's talking about we should increase. It says the, the worse of times, the more we need each other. This is so awesome because guess what? The times are getting bad. 
I mean, times are getting bad. And guess what? It's not going to get any better. And I'm speaking from it, you know, what the Bible talked about, how things are just going to get worse. The closer the return of Jesus, the worse things are going to get. As I said, it's going to happen with more intensity and more frequency. You know, we went, just went through COVID. Well, guess what? You know, not to put fear in you, because believers should be fear. Things that we haven't seen the last of the diseases. Because the Bible said we will be pestilence in the land when Jesus comes to it. So we're going to see more of that. But as a believer, be encouraged and know that God got our back. Okay. God, you don't have to walk. We don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to walk in fear because God has got back. He's going to take care of us. So I'm not worried about it because I put my trust in the promises the Bible says in Jesus and what the finished work that he has done. So I don't have to be afraid. But as time gets closer, I've come to love the fellowship of the believer. We need one because what? When we you when we're going through things, when we're going, we need each other to encourage each other and pray for each other. We need to hear the words of the Lord. You know, we need that tangible um, where we can touch people. Because I know, you know, once again, you saying, Well, I don't need nobody, I got Jesus, and I can we have the internet now, we got social media now, you can look at ministry on your tablet, on your phone, and the thing, but that wasn't meant to replace. The local ministry. I want to say it again. It wasn't meant. Thank God that I'm coming to you through social media now. And thank God we can reach people through social media, through the internet, and all these different things. We still have radio and television. And thank God for the tools that we've been blessed with to use to reach the world. But guess what? God didn't give us these things. He didn't allow these things to come to be so we can neglect the physical um presence gathering together in the house of god or was a small group whatever he didn't he didn't say no throw that away because we need and that's why when COVID hit and they told us you stay at home and then the churches couldn't meet uh, me personally didn't like it at all i mean i understood it but i love the fact that coming together and joining hands with my brothers and sisters in Christ and praying and seeing people and communicating with them and just conversing with them. I mean, that is, you can't replace that. You know, you couldn't touch people. They said, you know, so social distance, six feet. I mean, you know, we put up shields and things to block people. And it was just so awkward for me. You know, I never, I don't know if I can ever become comfortable with that. But the thing is, same thing here. As times get worse, the more we need each other. You need somebody. I need you. It says you need me. We need each other. As times get closer to the return of Jesus Christ, to come together, to meet together, to pray with each other, to, you know what, I got your back. We need each other because like life gets tough. And we need people to speak a word into our life. We need people to put their hands on us. We need people to hug us and embrace us. We need that as human beings. Why? Because we were created social beings. So when you're talking about social distance, that's just, it's not normal for us because we are created with social beings. We need the contact. We need that contact. 
And so therefore I'm saying to you tonight, don't isolate. That is the danger of isolating yourself because you will not finish well like God wanted if you isolate yourself. You find yourself like Samson. You know, if you read that story, he ended up getting mad because the woman he was, he wanted to marry that Philistine woman. She, his, her parents ended up giving her to another man. He became so angry and began to hurt people. You know, so you don't want to do that. You don't want the enemy. To, when you isolate yourself, the enemy, you are a prime candidate for the enemy to take over your life and get you away from the things of God. And we don't want that. So have there ever been times when you feel discouraged and even wanting to give up on your calling? See, that's when you isolate. Are you that person tonight who want to give on your call, who want to give up on things? You may be feeling like giving up right now. Maybe that person, you want to give up on your calling, got to call you to do something. And maybe, you know, now things are getting tough with all the stuff that's going on. And, you know, maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you have church hurt. I want to speak to that person who has church. You've been hurt by the church. I speak healing to your soul in the name of Jesus. But don't give up on the body of Christ. Don't put all, every ministry in the same category and think that all churches are like that. I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. I mean, but I want to encourage you that, hey, every ministry is like that. But pray and ask God to send you somewhere. Okay? So you, you feel alone and isolated. From others, that's what you're doing. We don't want you to do that tonight. If, if you if you want to finish well, you have to be around like-minded people who can support you and who can help you and encourage you in your calling. This is what you want to do. You need don't isolate yourself. You say, you say well, maybe I can't. I can't think of anybody. Well, if you can't think of anybody right now. Pray and ask God to show you. Who can work with you? As I said, pray about what church to go to, what ministry to go to. Ask God to show you where to go. He would do that. Okay, he would do that for you. But don't isolate yourself. I, I pray that you don't do that. If you are, have isolated. Have you, if, if you're a person who has walked away from the church and said, you know what, no longer do it, I pray, pray encourage you that, that you will get back into ministry, to somebody's church, somebody's ministry, somebody's uh, Bible study. And begin to allow them to, first of all, minister where you've been hurt at. And then get back and then if, get back to your calling. And if you don't know your calling, through that ministry, show you what your calling is. So you can be a blessing to the body of Christ. So you, we can help destroy the kingdom of Satan. God needs you. God wants you. No matter what you've done, no matter the mistakes you've made. As I said, you're still worthy. It's what he did for you that makes you worthy, not your good deeds. Okay, maybe you've made a mistake. I want to minister to that person that you made a mistake. You know what? You failed. You backslid. And so what happens is, because you backslid, you've isolated yourself. You don't feel worthy of the call. You don't feel worthy that you can do it anymore. Okay, and so therefore you've isolated yourself. And says, you know what? I'm no good for the kingdom. But I want to encourage you that the enemy of the lie, he's speaking lies to you. And guess what? You are worthy. Guess what? Because you're forgiven. 
Okay, you're forgiven. By the stripes of you, you are forgiven. Okay, the blood has forgiven, have paid for our past sins, past, present, and future. And I want you to get back into the race. Get back up and get back in line. God can you still wants to use you and he wants to use you for his glory. But don't think, don't allow the enemy speak to you and tell you, you know what, you're not worthy anymore. Yes, you are worthy. God has great things for your life. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus for those who are listening. God, that those who have isolated themselves, pray to God, they give them a mind to get back, find a friend or a group or ministry that they can become a part in. And God, I pray that you would give them, heal the area of their hurt right now, heal that area of where they've been hurt, whether they've been betrayed or whether they, they've been let down, where, where they've been frustrated and been discouraged because they see so much. But I pray you will heal the hurt, God, and then give them a mind to get back into local ministry. And God, thank you for using them for your glory. We thank you. Satan, we bind you right now. We come against that spirit of isolation that you've put in their minds. Saying to them, they're not love. But God, I pray that you will let them know through their word that you have an everlasting love for them. And you have great things for them. In the name of Jesus, I pray and I give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, I thank you. We will continue on this subject on next week. And I pray that you, once again, don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate Get into and connect yourself with like-minded believers so you can fulfill the call of God on your life. And I thank you for listening. Once again, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.